Okay, we are in Sefer Yeshayahu, Peret Tesvav, Pasuk Aleph, Masa Malav. So we saw yesterday that Yeshayahu prophesies against a centuries-old, implacable enemy of B'nai Yisrael, the Plishkin. And of course, the relationship of the Plishkin, as we said, goes back to Avraham, but it's a, a black and white relationship. They're evil, uh, they fight us, cycles, sometimes they're ascendant, sometimes they lose. It's sort of clear who the, the good guys and the bad guys are. Moab is a very complicated, complex, long relationship with a lot of twists and turns. Um, so let's start with Zavarim. In uh, Parshas Zavarim, Parak Bays. Um, we're about to go through the desert, through around Moab. Nathan Vanomar Derek Midbar Moab. We're ready to go through the Moabite territory, by Yomer Hashem Eli, and the Kodesh Baruch who says to me, this is Moshe talking, al tatzer es Moab, al tisgarbam melacha. Do not bother Moab, do not provoke war with them, ki lo etain lachami arzo Yerusha, I will not give you anything of their land as an inheritance, he lived nosati es or Yerusha. I have given it to the children of Lot. Moab and Ammon are children of Lot, and therefore, because of the chesed of Avraham and because of our um, relationship as family, do not set foot in Moab. It becomes more complicated when Moab does not really reciprocate any of this amiable sentiment. What Moab does is refuse to even sell them on the border or bring out for them food and drink. They let them hang out to dry. B'nai Israel has to go around that long, complicated way of a detour that adds years onto the journey in the Midbar. And even notwithstanding that, then Moab hires Bilam. They hire this man to curse B'nai Yisrael. And down through history, they've even attacked um, B'nai Yisrael, particularly in the reign of Yehoshaphat. Moreover, what they have done now in Yeshayahu's time is that after Sancheriv conquers the lands of the ten tribes, they come sweeping back in there to occupy it, and as Sancheriv shows no gratitude to them, and they are going to be killed by Sancheriv. But question exists. How did we occupy the east bank of the Jordan? That's where they were, they and Amon. 
We know Reuven guard Chatsi Shevet Menashe settled there. That appears in the Gemara, very interestingly, in Gittin, in one sentence, Amar Papa. Let me read it to you. Amon Umoav Tiharu Besichan. That they were purified. Amon Umoav were purified that we now could come in there because Sichon, king of the Emirates, conquered Moab. So he conquers Moab. Once we conquer Sichon, it's a perfectly legitimate occupation for B'nai Yisrael to now occupy Ruvain, Gad, Chatzishevet, Menashe, that part of the Yarden. And so we see that all through the history, they are there um, tormenting, they are there fighting, um, etc. Until the end, they're assisting Sancheirev in his campaign. When the ten tribes are conquered, they come back to occupy those cities. Um, you see, there's a special halacha for Moabites and Ammonites. Unlike any other nation, they can't convert. Till the tenth generation, they cannot come in. So evil were they in their behavior of the Bnei Yisrael. And by the way, the Mephoshim Yivturi, it's why does it include Bilam as well? Because you want to say they didn't give them food and drink because they didn't have money? Fine. But then they go right and hire Bilam, which costs a lot of money for him to curry. He was the foremost prophet uh, in, in, of Canaan. And so that they had money for. And so we see there is just implacable enmity running through the time uh, of Yeshayahu. On the back to the question, if they could not come into B'nai Israel, how did Ruth, who was a Moabite woman, how did she become able not only to convert, but to become the mother of the Davidic dynasty? The answer is, of course, the Gemara tells us it's Moavi that is restricted, not Moaviyah. They never intended to um, restrict the uh, women of Moabite, and that legitimatizes it. So now we start with that prophecy on Moab. Uh, again, you don't lose sight of the fact that this prophecy was made years before um, Moab, and yet. It is exactly accurate, it names the names, it describes exactly what will occur. <clears throat> so we pick it. Masa Moab, Masa we said is one of the ten Lashonos of Nevoa, and the most intense one. Um, this is an intense, almost personal prophecy against Moab by Yeshayahu. Kibaleo Shudar or Moab, Nidma, Hebelel Shidar, Kir Moab, Nidma. What happens is that Moab is attacked by Sancheirev. And what's interesting here is, unlike the Plishtim, where B'nai Yisrael do the battle and destroy the Plishtim, 
They have nothing to do with the actual physical destruction. It's done by Sancheru. And so they come at night. Kibaleo, Shudarar is the name of a principal Moabite city. Nidmar Kibaleo was quieted at night. Shudar Kir Moab and the Kir Moab, which was the commercial center of Moab, Nidmar. They were attacked in stealth and at night. The people of Moab ran up to their houses of Avodah Zorah, the Divan Habamos, and to the altars. Al Novu, the Amidava Moab, these are cities again from Novu and Midava, Yale, Bechol Rosha, Karcha, Kozokon Grua. So bad was the attack on Moab that what they do is in deep mourning, they cut their hair, they pull out Kozokon Grua, they pull out the beards, uh, the hair of the beards, which in the Mideast culture at that time, uh, was a sign of mourning. It was extreme availus. Note that according to Jewish law, it is an Easter Diorisa to do that, to cut your hair, to tear your hair out, cut your beard. Um, on the contrary, we let the hair grow and the beard grow as a sign of mourning. So it's just to point out the complete opposite in the home. But Jesso Chagru Sak on the streets they wear sackcloth, Al Gagosaha on the roofs of Chagosaha on the streets, Kula Yalel Yorebebeki. It is deep crying and mourning and screaming and wailing. Batizak Cheshmon the Aloha and Cheshmon again another city in Moab, Aloha, Ayachatz Nishmakolam until the city of Yachatz we hear their voices in extreme bereavement. Interesting sentence that the dwellers in Moab, again, a city in Moab, they, um, they scream with their souls, uh, but it also has the, the meaning, the inference, they brought this upon themselves. They brought this disaster on themselves. What they did specifically was that after Sanchev conquers the ten tribes and exiles them, the land is there. They come pouring back in uh, to occupy that land. This is fascinating. My heart cries out for Moab. I cry for them, and this is the Navi speaking, saying that I, I feel for them. Uh, the Tsar the that they had, is a metaphor for the third year calf, which is considered the prime uh, animal, the prime source of meat, is an Eglashlisha, that they had this society of great wealth. These again the names of city that they are fleeing from Luchis Choranim um, Interestingly, Rashi points out that this concept of Yeshayahu 
uh, crying out for them that that he feels for them and that is a symbol of our Jewish relation. In other words, Shmuel HaKatan in his great Pirkei Avos Maimar Mishle teaches us when your enemies fall, do not rejoice. When they stumble, don't uh, again, exult in their um, tragedy. And of course, the classic of this is that the Yamsuf, when the Egyptians are drowning, and B'nai, the Malachim want to burst forth in Shira, in, in songs of joy in the Kaddish world, who says, Maseh, uh, my handiwork, my human beings are drowning in the sea. And you want to say Shira? It's totally antithetical to Jewish values, the value of another life. And so even though it's an enemy, we are careful not to rejoice, etc. So Yeshayahu adds that personal thing about that, my heart cries out for them. Again, these are the places from Nimrim, Mishamos, Hiyovesh Chatzir. There's another town, Kola, Deshe, Yorak, Lohaya. It is devastated. In other words, it once was a very fertile territory. It is now. Um, denuded of vegetation and grass and growth and crops. Therefore they carry whatever <coughs> possessions they have to Yisra and to Nachala of Yisru. Moab, Ad Eglam, Yelosa, the, the wailing, the crying, follows them to Yelosa over Er Elim. Again, they are giving us all these cities just to show how extensive the tragedy was to Moab. These cities also appear in, in the Torah. Uh, Yelosa, great wailing, great bereavement. He made Dimon Maludam, a play on words, the river of Dimon which is the river, is filled with dung, with blood. They I have completely buried of all growth, of all process, produce, of all wealth. And now concludes that this prayer, now comes a lion that will continue and complete the consumption. What is, why to use the metaphor of a lion? A lion, we know, is the symbol of um, Nebuchadnezzar, that now they are going to face the destruction of Nebuchadnezzar uh, coming as well. So that we see, and this is not over yet, the intensely um, personal prophecy of Moab, as we say, one of the perennial great enemies of B'nai Yisrael, 
and we will pick up at 8.45 a.m. tomorrow the continuation and finalization of this very puzzling and long-standing relationship that has been just fraught with such disaster, with such bloodshed, and we see now with the total destruction of Moab Adkan.